Welcome to the Cincy Postcast, episode 31, where we are talking about the Seattle draw. Is this a good result? Is this a bad result? All a matter of opinion and perspective, and that's what we have for you. We also have done all of the playoff math, the scoreboards you should be watching during the Chicago match, and the one on Friday that matters quite a bit, so we've got you covered there. What's that magic number? You'll find out this episode. In part two, we also touch on the U.S. men's national team. It was a disaster of a window and really this is our way of telling you we're planning on keeping the postcast running all the way through the World Cup so if you hated our FCC takes just wait until we talk about the US men's national team and that'll be episode 31 and joining me to talk about all of that if you can believe we're going to try to cram all of that in, we've got the Chief War Pig with us. Chief, did you buy any Ethereum off of Pat Brennan this week? No, but I got heavily invested in some some NFTs, some apes. Um, <laughs> you know, it's the future. You know, People it's... don't understand that NFTs, they look on their face like they have absolutely no value. But if you really dig below the surface, it turns out... They have absolutely no value whatsoever. <laughs> they might have less than no value. They're they're actively hurting our environment. Um, so that's nice. But I mean, I do appreciate that Pat Brennan took a break from his usual stellar coverage that he provides to the, uh, the FC Cincinnati community to really educate all of us on the benefits of Ethereum, of NFTs, and to give updates on the Ukraine war. I just, I found it to be a fascinating wild ride through his account. And I think, I think he should commit to making this a full-time part of his beat. <laughs> I thought it was about time Pat spoke about Ukraine. I think so too. I thought his, why, silence, why was he... his silence was conspicuous. Yeah. Um, I I was this uh, this was is a man of... who got arrested during the uh, the Black Lives Matter protest. Right. So, I thought he I was mean... a real one. <laughs> now, having said that, if there is like an NFT of him getting taken down by the cops during that protest, I you know Ooh. I'd throw a couple bucks towards that to buy it. <laughs> I think the post needs to uh, mint and buy that. Yes, mint and sell it. I don't I'm know. Just how like, I'm, ang- this works. I'm angry, honestly. That like I, there seems like there are so many people that are so gullible about this shit that I just wish I understood more to scam them out of money because it felt like there was a moment where literally, if you put any anything up, like if you just mashed the mouse on Microsoft Paint. And said, I have minted this series of impressionist artwork on MS Paint. There was going to be some dipshit on the internet, some crypto bro that would be like, oh, yeah, $50,000. I want in. Buy in. Yeah. Buy I need in. to be a part of this. Hodl. Hodl. <laughs> the, thing, the thing I like about NFTs is like, yeah, you, like, you buy the NFT, you get a nice picture, but as a bonus... You know, somebody shows up with a bunch of like drugs or guns, right? Or Women, like, you know, humans to traffic, Organs. and that's yeah. just that's just a that just like randomly happens when yeah. you buy an NFT. I wanted to figure out a way that I could start selling individual oh. tweets from the old like War Pigs account, like the first <laughs> official tweet of the Queen City War Pigs. Like, I will sell that for one one hundredth of a kidney on the Silk Road. Like, that's fine with me. I mean. I don't need to monetize this right now. I just need to hold the asset as a value and then eventually sell that and package that with other worthless assets. And then apparently you can sell that to banks and ruin the economy. So I think that, you know, there was a money-making opportunity here on this. 
I'll say this about it. NFTs. I'll say this about NFTs. Yes, like it is extremely stupid <laughs> that um, people are spending a hundred thousand dollars on a on a on a JPEG, right? Right. But when somebody when you when somebody's spending a lot of money on something, and then you ask them like to explain what they're doing, and they give you <laughs> and they tell you something that is facially preposterous. Um, there's a decent chance they're doing something else and they just don't want to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> you say that, but did you guys watch the documentary about Beanie Babies that's up online right now? Like it's streaming on HBO or something? There are no. a lot of people that have bought a lot of really stupid shit over the years. And if you're in the right place at the right time with something to sell these people, yes. you can make a fucking fortune. But unfortunately, yes. I didn't understand enough about how NFTs worked to scam these people. And I desperately need someone to tag me online or send me a DM <laughs> the next time there's a new trend that emerges where idiots are trying to get rid of their money quickly. And I, I just want to be I want to be very clear. I am not against scams or multi-level marketing <laughs> or Ponzi schemes. I just need to be closer to the top of the pyramid than the bottom of the pyramid. Like I want right, to so take that. I, we want the fight button. And you want the top of the pyramid. Top of the yeah. pyramid. Okay. Right. Tag at the post Cincy if you got a fight button. <laughs> or, or you got a pyramid you want someone to kind of sit right. no, or I, near I, the top I'm, of. No, I'm all I, I really do believe this. This isn't a bit. If you are involved in a pyramid scam or a multi-level marketing scam, I want to know about it so long as there aren't a Early. lot of people above yes. you. Like the problem is I find out about this after the pyramid has already been built. And I don't want to be one of the Egyptians that dies at the base of the pyramid. I want to be one of the people that's buried at the top of the pyramid. So let me in on that. Like, did you see there was the Lulu Lemon documentary or Lulu oh, Lemon yeah. or whatever the fuck it was? Where yeah. it's like Lululemon. people got rid Come on, man. I don't fucking know. What was it? LuLaRoe. <laughs> whatever. LuLaRoe is Lula what Ro. it is, yes. Right, I don't... Oh, yeah. not Lululemon. <laughs> it's all the same shit. It's okay. No, it's like, they make pretty good pants. Right. <laughs> I have a coworker that unironically calls them Yoda pants, which I think is fantastic. But nice. um, but no, like, the, people got rich selling fucking leggings, and I... I want I I don't want to find out about these in the documentary ten years later. I want to find out about it when people are still making money. So, yes, Pat Brennan. If there are still people in the DMs that were like in the DMs when your account was hacked, and they seem like they're in on something that can make all of us money, just holler at your boy. Like, <laughs> like let's uh, all let's the, all get rich uh, together. Between the NFT scams and the fight button, I'm I'm beginning to think the Queen City War Pigs may be toxic online. I'm just gonna throw uh -oh. it out there. <laughs> so, That's a poor pattern this. of behavior. <laughs> I'll say this. Yeah, you know, I think pyramid schemes get like a bad rap. Because uh, they're like, what is oh. this podcast? They're like, oh, they're like, oh, you're just, you're just, you're just scamming people out of money based on like false promises and. And giving them nothing of nothing of value back. Yeah, if if that's the definition like, of a pyramid scam, where you scam, been, man? Right. If that's the definition of a pyramid baby. scam, then fucking Yap Stom was running a pyramid scam with this franchise. <laughs> it was like I'm making all these promises and I'm giving you nothing of value. FC Cincinnati God. season ticket holdership was a pyramid scheme for the first three years we were in MLS. I'm uh, I'm remembering that uh, that PowerPoint that leaked to the athletic. It absolutely included a pyramid as a yeah. key part of how they were building the teams. So Holy you might shit! Be onto something. Soccer, 
inverting the pyramid. pyramid. Right. Oh my Soccer's God. built it's on a pyramid. Holy. Right. Holy shit. <laughs> we need a we need a soccer based pyramid scheme and I think the post could be that. I'm trying you know, to if think you, this through. If you get deep into MLS Twitter, the Pro Rel Twitter, they'll tell you that MLS is the pyramid scheme, that is the Ponzi scheme that is robbing American soccer. So, by that definition, are we are all we in involved it? in a pyramid scheme just <laughs> at the bottom level where we don't know any better? If you don't I, think you're in a pyramid scheme, you are at the bottom of a pyramid scheme, <laughs> right? It's like, like the scene from The yes. Office where where uh, Jim draws <laughs> – Mike Michael Scott explains how the business works and Jim just draws a triangle around it. It's like, I have to call my broker immediately. <laughs> it's like – isn't it like, you know, there's a sucker in every room and if, you, if you're looking around the room and you can't figure out who it is, you're the sucker? Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, sucker born every minute. That was P.T. Barnum, I believe. Right. Circus, circus, if, cutthroat business. And if you, uh, carnies, you can never trust carnies, um, rooms. Circus is like a bite throat business, right? That's like what a geek does. <laughs> right. <laughs> Marks. What's that, Marks. What's, that, what's that movie called? They just made a remake of it. Fuck. Uh, whatever. Just move on. Right. No. Not Nocturne, Nocturne Alley? Nocturnal Island? No, I don't. Isn't that, the, isn't that where they buy all the the wacky yeah, shit in Harry is. Potter? It is. It yeah. is. Yeah. Nightmare <laughs> no, Alley. Nightmare no. Alley. Nightmare it, Alley. It took me like an uncomfortable amount of time reading Harry Potter to not realize that it was diagonally and nocturnally were the names <laughs> of the neighborhoods. Like that would get you. It, it was up there with. I was very drunk on a cruise one time with a bunch of friends, and I came down from the stateroom I was in to uh, there was like a one small TV that was showing music videos the entire time. And I came down hungover to breakfast, and I told everyone without a hint of irony, guys, did you realize that Florida actually spells Florida? <laughs> That's a good moment when you realize yeah. that one. <laughs> like just dead silence in the room. I was like, did I should probably you, just um, keep drinking. Did you know that um, uh, uh, if you like take like all the magic spells from Harry Potter and like list them from from top to bottom, starting with the unforgivable curses and ending with the like uh, uh, least important curse. It spells um, don't erase biological women. <laughs> <laughs> My God, it was it was hiding in plain sight the entire time. The Voldemort's a tricky bitch. <laughs> it's amazing that the first time Hermione tried Polyjuice Potion, she wasn't canceled immediately by J.K. Rowling. Damn, Holy that's a great shit. point. It was right there. <laughs> that was a that was a subtle that was a subtle hint because when when Hermione turned into uh, one of uh, uh, Malfoy's uh, minions, tried um, to. She was not a genuine. Man, she was still a woman just masquerading Maybe. as a man. Yes. Your true self is a lie. Your true person is a lie. Yeah, her and Frankie Haydock. <laughs> anyway. Man, it's all it's been there the whole time. Right. Anyway, I uh, I didn't even get to introduce Grayson, so let me let me try to let me try to rope rope this all back together. Grayson, did you did you stay awake for the entire match? uh against seattle let me ask you that dude i i am never asleep before mid before midnight <laughs> no I, I i watched it and then i watched uh an episode of the patient and then i like 
<laughs> read some stuff online and went to bed at 1 30 my normal yeah bed i can't days. i can't understand all these people they're like oh it was too late for me it's like watching an fc cincinnati match for me is there's a preparation to watching it where you watch the lineups and you get oh, yeah. ready to watch then you watch the game and then you've got to fight with people online after the game is over. <laughs> like, I can't just go to bed. I've got takes to defend, and I've got bad takes to spin, and I've got player opinions oh. to go after. No, watching an FC Cincinnati game, it's like the game itself is just 90 minutes, but the actual experience lasts for well into the night after the game is over. Yes. Yeah. When it's... I find myself tripling down on a take that, like, Sergio Santos probably should be playing for the Oakland Raiders. So... You just do what you got to do. Yeah, hasn't Santos drawn two uh, dog so reds? Yes, this season already. No, I I firmly believe this take that if you gave Sergio Santos a full season of starter minutes, he would draw somewhere between ten to eleven PKs and four to five red cards, but still only score one goal. And the one goal he scored would just be like the ball deflects off him. And into the net. It's like, well, we have to credit him with the goal. But he has absolutely no ability to finish. But the no. man is elite level at drawing the wackiest of fouls in dangerous positions. So we've said this, though. We've said this, right? Like, if you are elite at exactly one thing, there's a very good chance you have a you have a permanent job in Major League Soccer. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't love Sergio Santos at, you know, a $900,000 no number but like at like a as a let's say give him Don Baji's minutes over the course of a full season right yeah. his his speed alone like it keeps the defense on their heels it does create opportunities for 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 other players because god knows he can't finish but if he could finish he wouldn't be in MLS right, right. yeah with his no, speed it, if he could finish and, and and create his own goal and all that stuff like he simply would not be an MLS. He's a Brazilian. He would be over in Europe or China or somewhere making, you know, twenty million dollars yeah, if, if off he could, the books. If he could finish, he'd be Sadio Mane. Like it's that same right, skill set right. involved. And the thing about Santos is that he is exact as much as frustrating as it was watching that last night, he is the exact kind of player that this team has been missing since joining MLS, where he is a guy where he has a very defined skill set. He does one thing incredibly well, and when you put him on the field, you know exactly what you are going to get from him yep. and not a thing more. And like this team before Albright got involved, they got enamored with trying to find these top-tier, do-everything players that could play this free-flowing, like position-shifting type of soccer – and what you end up with is you ended up with guys that were just the worst of all worlds, that had horrendously low basements, and when they weren't performing, they were outright liabilities on the field. You ended up with Kamahilo Makocho, who did absolutely nothing well. Or you ended up with Sem Diong, who does absolutely nothing well. Instead, when you look at MLS, there are other teams you say, why are they succeeding? It's like, well, they go get guys, and they know exactly what we can use this guy for. And we plug him in to do exactly this, and he's a guy off the bench that we don't have to worry about. Like, we need someone to cause chaos and run fast. Well, here's our guy to do that. And prior to this year, we never had that. We were trying to pound octagonal pegs into circular or hexagonical holes. It didn't <laughs> fucking work. Yeah. This is, that's why Bruce Arena is, like, the greatest MLS coach of all time, as much as I, as much as I hate to say it. Because he is unsurpassed in the league 
at finding guys who do exactly one thing that he needs yep. and paying them like $350,000 yeah. and just having them do the exact one thing uh, that he wants them to do. And then you you have like, you know, you, it, it just get all your magic from your DPs yeah. yep. from Carlos Hill. He, he understands how to build an MLS roster, and FCC is caught in this weird transition, and I just keep coming back to the fact that it's like, it's Pat Noonan is ultimately the glue that is keeping all of this together and getting results out of this team that I feel like any other coach would be not at this point. At, at least any coach we could realistically have had on this team was not going to be able to tie all of this together. Now, I, I do want to back up and say, I'll say for me, the result of this game is good. It was frustrating. I think you can't, it sucks going, you know, up a man for, for that long. Uh, you had your opportunities, but on the face of it, you get a result in Seattle on the road midweek, no injuries, no yellow cards. I'm fine with that. That that that's fine. Yes, a win would have been great, but a win doesn't clinch anything. So, no. um, it, it, so it doesn't, I'm, I'm fine with this result. It doesn't clinch anything. But the problem I keep coming back to, and I know that you know I'm probably on an island on this one, is that this you're not going to find a better chance to beat Seattle or a team like Seattle or take away Seattle as a team. Just that you rolled in to a road match and. It's looking as a result of this loss like we're going to play a road match in the playoffs. You rolled into a road match where they were down multiple starters. They were down Ladero on a yellow card suspension. They were down Jordan Morris. They were down, I think, two other guys on international duty. They were depleted. Um, we rolled out our best 11. That if you yeah. were to put pen to paper as who are the best 11 players Pat Noonan can roll out right there in the lineup, it's that lineup. And... For whatever reason, it was the entire front line having an off night simultaneously. They couldn't pick a result up. And yep. I think that's a disappointing outcome, that you were facing a team that was down, you were at your strongest, and midway through the – or two-thirds of the way through the match, you get given the man advantage, and you still can't get three points back. And, yeah, in the abstract, this team is further ahead than it needs to be this year. One point – you know, this game isn't going to matter if they win on Saturday for the most part. A point on the, ro a point on the road, fine. It, it pushes forward the playoff goal. But not all road points are created equal. And this was a game where if you had to tell me in these two situations, RSL, Seattle, but Seattle is missing Ladero and Jordan Morris, and you get to run out your best lineup, I'm betting we, pick the, we draw RSL and we beat Seattle given those two circumstances. And I just think that – that's a this is two points that I don't think they'll regret not having, but depending on how things shake out, this may have been what cost them the opportunity to host a playoff game at TQL Stadium. We won't know until later, but I think it's a it's a poor result that ultimately I was mad about for a couple hours and woke up okay with, but I still still think it was a poor result. I think you can get too focused and I, I don't really think this is a criticism because like yes, like on a on a on a micro level, with in in full context it's a disappointing tie right but there's a lot of things that happen over the course of the season you have good games you have bad games um you can go back to that 4-4 home tie against nycfc and say like yeah like at the micro level based on how the game started and 
it was an extremely disappointing tie to have. There's a lot of games that could have gone better for us that for whatever we did or didn't do, couldn't get it done. But, but a se- a season is a season, right? And a season is the sum of all of your results. And I don't think that there's any reason. I don't think there's any reason to feel bad about picking up four points in consecutive competitive matches on the West coast. Uh, Salt Lake is a, there's a lake there. It's a coast. <laughs> um, it borders a coastal state. It's I mean, good enough for me. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so you pick up, you pick up, you pick up four does points it? out West. It's very, it does not. That's very tough. To, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Of. There's what's well, four corners. Does there, uh, who, I mean, who cares? you've got Las Vegas has the Bellagio. That's kind of like waterfront property. So, so you so you pick up you pick up four points out west. You're sitting on forty six. You're in fifth place in the east. Um, the three teams behind you play each other, yeah, and have some tough games left. Your last two games are against Chicago and DC. This is a really really good spot to be in. Yeah. Now, can they blow it? Yes. You know. Can, yes. Sure. Can it turn out that they really missed the two points they didn't pick up in Seattle or yes. the two points they didn't pick up against Columbus or the two points they didn't pick up against Vancouver, the two points they didn't pick up against NYCFC? Yeah, that could all turn out to be true, right? Damn. But a, but a season <laughs> – but, but, you know, they did pick up a late late three points against uh, against Minnesota. The right? only time yeah. they picked up a late three points all season, um, but yes, they correct. they picked up they picked up points against uh, 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 Orlando in the first game that you know people felt they didn't really they didn't really deserve based on how that how that game was. Um, yeah, they the 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 game down in Miami was crazy. I mean, lots of stuff happens in an individual game level, but I think yeah. we have to look at this as. Where are we at this point in the season, right? Yeah. And we can't just be upset that we didn't beat Seattle under these specific circumstances. I think we have to look at: do we feel about do we feel good about this team sitting on forty six points with Chicago at home and DC on the road? Two points, two teams eliminated from the playoffs right now with the teams behind us having a pretty tough road to catch us. And I think that the answer has to be yes. And if the answer is not yes for you, then I wonder like why you bother watching sports because you are never going to be happy. <laughs> no, but that's part of being a fan is never being happy. It's like I, I, I reject this idea. Like I know it's common wisdom in soccer. Like road points are good. Fuck that. Win a road game. I mean, other teams win road games. Win a road game. Go out there and beat Lake. Seattle. What? Win another one. Right. You don't just get to win one road game or two road games and be like, well, we've won our allotment of road games. Go win. Like, you had Seattle in a position to beat them. Go win. Like, it wasn't a full crowd. It wasn't rocking and rolling. You were on full rest because you hadn't played in almost a week. You had your top 11 out there. They were missing people. Go win the fucking game. Like, well, we're sad. Like, it's good to get points through. I don't give a fuck. Go win the game. Like, Like, that's a cop out to say, like, getting a tie is an okay result. Sometimes it is. Other times, like when the team you're playing is depleted, you know, go fucking beat them. And in the end, it's like, why was I not mad 
after this game, like today when I woke up, it's because at the end of the day, three points here, it's, it's, you do the math, and this probably doesn't matter. Because if you lose to Chicago and you lose to D.C., you didn't deserve to be in the playoffs anyway. you got to beat those teams. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. you, have to beat, you have to win your home games. I'll be way more mad if they draw Chicago on Saturday, exponentially more mad than I was about yeah. this game. But by the same token, it's you, you say, like, oh, you can't look at this in the micro. You have to look at this in the macro. No, look at it in the micro. They, that was a game <laughs> right there. They should have won. They, they, yeah. You have an opponent with their best players out. You're on full rest. They, you have everything to play for. You don't. You're not even getting their crowd at their best. Like half of them were at the Mariners game last night, eating fucking shrimp hot dogs or whatever it is they do there in Seattle. <laughs> um, like starting a yeah. new protest zone somewhere. And like <laughs> you had the opportunity to go win the game, go win the game. Now I just I I hate this. I hate this soccerism of well the road points are good. Not all of them. Not all road points yeah. are good. Sometimes you should win. You should get all three. I think I think it certainly speaks to where this team is now that we have the expectation that we can go in and get these wins. Um, I mean, that's not something that you could have said about this team before this. Like e- even earlier this season, that like winning is the expectation right now. Um, it's uh, Opta Joe on Twitter saying FCC at this point has now secured the longest. Uh, uh, what was that undefeated streak, streak in MLS yeah. this season of any team, uh, even if we lose out? Um, so that's incredible. Like that's just an incredible achievement. I, I am though. I, I do have to go back and think about conversations we had maybe three, four, five weeks ago, where we're looking at the slate of games to finish this this, uh, this sort of playoff push this last month. And I think we were all saying, you know. A loss against one of Salt Lake and Seattle is fine. Getting a result here is fine. Um, so I, I fully respect and understand, you know, even the man advantage. Even if we had them, you know, full 11 to full 11, the man advantage uh, haunting this team. But I, I, I'm, I'm happy in the abstract for sure. What is it about FC Cincinnati teams that just cannot perform up a man. I think I, I haven't gone back and, and checked this. Under Stom, we had a negative goal differential when we had a man advantage. Either one or two man advantage. I would suspect that in MLS, FC Cincinnati still has a negative goal differential when playing up a man. And the minutes, like the, the sample size is no longer small. <laughs> this is a good sample size now. So I, I think I think something that has to play into it, and I don't I don't really have a detailed answer to this. I mean, if you want like a detailed tactical knowledgeable answer to a question like this, this is probably the wrong podcast for you. <laughs> um, but I, I, something that I don't think helps is I just don't, I, I love him. I, th- I, th- he's the engine of this team. He's having an incredible season. I don't like Lucho taking those dead balls. I like yeah. the the free kicks and the and the corners. He's I don't think we're max- at it. <laughs> I don't think we're maximizing our like he's great in motion, right? Yeah. He's right. great like like with the ball with the ball's movement, live game, uh run of play type stuff. You know, he's great. I just 
for whatever reason, whether it's because he doesn't have like enough the ability to put like a lot of power behind his kick or whatever it is. I just don't think he's the person. I don't know. I don't guess I don't know who it is. You know, I think I think Kubo is maybe a little bit better at some of those free kicks or but Ariel's okay. Ariel's okay. I just I just don't I think we give Lucho too much too much too much of that stuff and it 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 just seems like like wasted opportunity after wasted opportunity now see i i agree i thought you were gonna go this direction and i agree with you that i think that a there's a couple of answers to this question kev i think number one is for better or worse we have only really followed an mls team in this town since the advent of the five sub rule and i feel Mm. like the five sub rule really does negate the advantage you get with the man advantage because you're able to put more fresh legs on the field and negate the amount of running you have to do. But I I, I think that from an FC Cincinnati specific point of view, I just don't think this roster this year is constructed to play with a man advantage, that there are too many guys on this team that are what I would consider to be chaos creators. Like Lucho is a chaos creator. Lucho thrives in getting the ball into dangerous spaces making short touches, short passes, and trying to push the ball forward. Wobodo is a chaos creator. He's a guy that interrupts uh, play on one half of the field and immediately looks to push the ball upfield. Like, he doesn't really have that hold back, hold up play, anything like that. He is a steal the ball, go the other direction. Uh, they sub on Sergio Santos. Santos is a chaos creator. He is a chaos creator with speed. And when you think about, like, what – how you're going to play and really take advantage of being up a man, you're looking for guys that play under control. Guys that are possessors, guys that are builders. Like, the guy I'm thinking about right here, and I know he's, you know, a public enemy still in American soccer, you're looking for Michael Bradley when you're up a man. You're looking for a person who is stable, who is going to pick spots, who's going to keep the offense under control. And this team, when it's firing on all cylinders – is all gas, no breaks. They want to play straightforward, route one. They want to play directly up the field, little tight, unlocking passes, find Vasquez, find Brenner. And just that's not a great style to play when you have the advantage, when you want to move the ball around, you want to pick for spaces, you want to build back, build forward, and just we're not set up to play that way. And if this is the best version of FC Cincinnati, we've never had that in the past either because the team's been <laughs> right. <been> worse. <laughs> well, no. so maybe maybe having like a Harris Madunian in, mm-hmm. in the team when we go up a man um would have would have helped. That's a good point. Um we let but, him walk away though. So there was that. <laughs> well, well, you know, he had other places to be. Sure. Didn't want yeah. to Can you imagine being Harris Madunian and suffering through all the bullshit you did? And then the team finally gets good, and it's like, I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that, like, you lived under Yapstam and this, like, horrid, like, they went years not scoring a goal, like, yeah. while he was here. And then all of a sudden, the team finally gets good, and it's like, all right, here's your going away party. Have fun over in Europe. 
<laughs> it's this might be a cancelable take, but it's like a it's a mercenary mentality. It's like my job here is done. I got right. you out of the shit. Right. The, the no, rest of this is up to you. <laughs> right. He's he's still a pariah from his own tribe for taking his helmet off at some point. Like he's just <laughs> <Right>. he's <laughs> This is the way with Harris Medunian in. <laughs> oh man. But it all plays yeah. into like, you know, like, yeah, yeah. this team still sucks with up a man and it's just it's now reached a sad funny state yeah and it'll stay as a sad it's kind of like the whole thing with var where it was really fucking annoying and then all of a sudden like we got a couple calls that went our way and things suddenly felt better it just feels like there will be one game where we're up a man and we'll score three goals and be like oh what was all (laughs) what was all that worry about right right and it'll be against like I don't know, DC to start the season next year. And like right. just the most pointless version of that. It won't it won't be in the playoffs. It won't be on decision day or or something where it matters. Um gotta point this out as well. I well, first off, I, I wanna say one thing about this game that I think uh gets overlooked, and I, I know this is a, a process, not results podcast here. Uh, there were some great opportunities just completely, completely squandered by Vasquez and Santos. So for whatever it's worth, the system, quote unquote, we'll probably touch on that at the end of this podcast, but the system was working uh, to to get the, uh, the opportunities and the chances in front of goal. Not gonna doubt that Stephen Fry is a uh, or Stephen Fry is a uh, is a good keeper, but uh, all of those all of those misses felt like they were on the strikers. Um, uh, I Roman wonder... Celentano once again though is is the hero of FC Cincinnati. Another MLS not... clean sheet. Yes. <laughs> Do you think he could have done better on that shot? Yes. So it's not the his, Seattle. The Not Seattle easy. broadcast. I mean, you, can't, you can't expect something to be perfect, right? It was yeah. a nice. Yeah. It was. It was a nice. It was. A, it was a well placed ball. He did seem a little awkward jumping at it, and Casey Keller. Yeah. Who yeah. you know, I'm not like Casey Keller, like the greatest American <laughs> goalkeeper of all time, right? <laughs> He's he was a little critical of 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 Celentano on that shot, and I, I'm not saying we need to hold Roman to at at 21 years old and say like you gotta. Make every safe case Keller would would have made. Right. But, <laughs> but you should criticize you his. You shouldn't get beat near post in a shot like that from that angle. Like yeah, that's, that's yeah, yeah. He was criticizing his positioning more than the the leaping or or, or something like that, which I thought was interesting. But also, it's a hell of a hit. Like yes, uh, for every single goal. The goalkeeper could have been in a better spot. That is just always going to be right. the case. And I mean, uh, it's, I, it's, I, I put it's, that one on Alvis Powell to be honest, because it seemed yeah. like he, with the with the initial ball in the midfield, I don't know what Seattle player took it, but Powell seemed to not like he was very hesitant in the moment mm-hmm. of what he was going to do, of whether he was going to try to challenge for the ball or hold position. And, you know, just try to keep the guy in front of him. And it seemed like he decided too late to try to go for the ball. But he just got he just got blown by. And then there was suddenly this open space and everybody's scrambling. And then that kind of opens it up for for Montero to it just, to, I just to to have a, an open shot like that. It's just I can't get mad about that shot and that goal because I mean right. you give that guy you give anyone an MLS. I'm not even say Montero. You give anyone an MLS a thousand rips at that they're going to score ten. Like if you're scoring that goal regularly, you're playing in a better league. 
So, I mean, I just, I can't, I can't get fired up about Celentano not saving it. I can't get fired up about the defense not stop stepping up to be in position. Like a player taking that rip from that angle, that's a win for your defense 99 times out of 100. And you'll, yeah. you will be happy conceding rips like that on a regular basis because they're just low percentage shots. Um, to me, it, it's, I thought the back line played really well. I thought it was another great game from the back line. I thought it was another great game from Jeff Cameron to the point yeah. now where I said it on the bird app, but like, we're going to have to start talking about whether or not this team brings Jeff Cameron back in 2023. So I saw your tweet and my first thought was, I mean, I'd call him up for the gold cup. <laughs> I completely was like, well, there isn't a world cup, but yeah, fuck it, man. Like he's doing really good. <laughs> Like, I, um, I don't, I, think- I don't know that he's not on a. If, if it's me, it's not on the plane to Qatar. I mean, I said <laughs> no, seriously. Like, and all, yeah. like, we'll talk, touch on it later in the podcast. But the World Cup roster desperately is missing someone that old head with gray hair yeah. that you're like, how the hell is this guy not washed? That just he exists solely to give you 20 minutes and keep the rest of the team in line. But I mean, that's Jeff Cameron right now on this team. He looks like a completely different player now that Miazga is in the fold. And that he has mm-hmm. someone with him that he trusts that's in that same pairing with him. And he was incredible last night. He had multiple really, really good plays. And there was one where I was like, I didn't know Jeff Campbell, Cameron could still run like that. Where yeah. he tracked back and made a great play look routine. Yeah, it's it's been incredible to see. And yeah, I agree. Like. I mean, we'll we'll see what the contract negotiations look like. I, I can't imagine he has a a massive market for uh, for his talents. I I could absolutely see him coming back on a on a team friendly deal. Um, no idea what his interest is in coaching or whatnot, but you could you could see a path like that being laid out for him for sure. Um, Grayson, is there anything else we wanted to touch on for the game specifically? I think I think. I'm we happy talk about, to pivot to playoff implications. I, I do think it is worth talking about that this was far and away one of the worst games our front line has played. Yeah. That Acosta specifically was back yeah. to last year's Acosta, where just dribbling through three people instead of working the system. That Vasquez, Oof, I don't know what's going yeah. on with that guy since he signed his new contract, if he's just pressing too much and trying to put the weight of the team on his shoulder. I mean, to me, it's it, it felt like watching Brenner, Vasquez, and Acosta like that, it was like watching three guys that were all desperate to be on the cover of the team program next year. That, like, <laughs> I, every person wanted to be the hero, and you just wanted to scream at him, just do a little less. Like, you've yeah. got Brenner leaving dummies that are immediately turned over because he's misjudging where the next player is. You've got Vasquez trying to do these coy little touches to himself and getting dispossessed real easily. Lucho deciding to be Superman, doing his Keanu Reeves matrix moves around three dudes. It was just that needs to sort itself quickly with those yeah. three in particular for the last three games and going into the postseason. Yeah. We we have them both or both. We have all three of them under contract for a while. Like there's there should be no like I'm gonna be the guy, not you. Like this is set. Like you guys, the three of you are the star of the team. So like just make it work. And I again I I, I as well tweeted this uh during the game, but I'll I'll emphasize it again. Vasquez for sure, uh 
last year was trying to force things. He was just trying, he was trying to do too much. You could see him tripping over his feet. He's just overthinking things. He wasn't just like getting into the flow of the game. Uh, Bobby Warshaw always talks about like flow state that like when a professional athlete is like in the groove, they no longer have to think about the moves. Like the muscle memory takes over. Vasquez was like that for 80% of this season and it showed it all just came to him naturally. And yeah, like since the, the snub of the call up and the contract somewhere in there, he got it back into his head that he needs to try to force himself to be the man to play his way into the national team. I don't know exactly what's going through his mind, but he's clearly trying to force an issue that doesn't need to be forced anymore. You've got it. It's fine. Just like relax, man. It'll come to you. We love it does you. Feel like he's we, playing, love him. It, <laughs> we love it. We love it. Does it does feel like he's playing like like nervous or stiff or something. Yeah. I don't want to I don't want to try to project too much about what's going on in his head, but I, it could be, you know, pressure from the new contract or pressure from you know, being snubbed with the national team. Or, um, or what if but, what if the problem with Vasquez is that he has had to lean so hard into the pancake meme that he is way too overloaded and overstuffed from eating pancakes. <laughs> He's got people, too many people pancakes. do gotta people do gotta cool it with the with the pancakes. Right. <laughs> that he is so eager to please everyone with pancakes that like when he's out and about, like he's at a restaurant, somebody sends over a plate of pancakes and like he looks like, Sir, uh this table over here has sent you pancakes and he looks around, there's like some family with kids that are all excited to see Brandon Vasquez out, and he's obliged to eat the entire plate of fucking pancakes in that restaurant, and then he goes to dinner later that night at Jeff Ruby's, and somehow Jeff Ruby's makes a plate of steak pancakes for him, and he's just all carb-loaded, and he's bloated, and it's just it's not good for his, his physical well-being. I mean, I'm here for that rumor, for sure. <laughs> the fans yeah, so, are stuffing too many pancakes into Brandon <laughs> Vasquez. <laughs> so so real real quick, real quick with the with the playoff race. I mean, yes. like I, I I think I think we think the magic number the magic number of points is four. Um Yes. Yeah. You bas- now that we got this point, yes. Basically win this weekend and if like Columbus doesn't win we we clinch a playoff so berth. so yes so the two main results we want to keep an eye on are uh Toronto versus Miami and uh Columbus and I forget who they play one moment please. New York Red Bulls I think New York Red Bulls indeed at the same time as FC Cincinnati uh the Miami Toronto game is on Friday if Toronto beats Miami and FC Cincinnati wins, we clinch a playoff spot. If FC Cincinnati wins and Columbus loses, even if Miami wins, FC Cincinnati clinches a playoff spot. So those are the two main ones that will determine what will happen. There will be a number of other matches to keep an eye on, including uh, what happens with Orlando and Atlanta, and even Charlotte is worth still keeping tabs on. Um, I think it's important, though, to point out to people that it is – Still possible and damn near likely that FC Cincinnati, not not this part, FC Cincinnati can lose out, but the results that they would need to go in their favor to still make the playoffs are still possible. So I, I ran through this in a spreadsheet and I had everybody above the table. Uh, if they beat the play, uh, the team that they play that's below them in the table and FC Cincinnati loses out, 
we still finish in sixth or seventh place. So like it's it's fine. We're not in a desperate situation, but what would be really cool is if Toronto could beat Miami on Friday and we could go into Saturday knowing that a win gets us into the playoffs. Um, that would be incredible. If Miami does win, I hope every other person in the stadium, you know, as as Fot Mob or or ESPN Plus up watching uh, the Columbus Crew game. I mean, if we're winning, I wouldn't mind the stadium putting the crew score up on the <laughs> on the board. Like that'd be huge. Um, I don't you want gotta, the crew they, score up if we're losing, but <laughs> no. if if they have to let people know, like they yeah. have, like if we are winning and the crew are also losing, you have to let that anticipation build in the crowd because you yeah. that 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 moment is has been a long time coming for this club. If that's indeed what happens, and they can actually clinch a playoff spot on home so on home turf at TQL Stadium the game is I think tracking to sell out it's like a sold out crowd on a Saturday night and they clinch the playoff spot and it's like I feel like I feel like the emotional catharsis moment will be strong for a lot of people that have been following this team since day one I mean, we are just it is all over Twitter and all over the internet just uh, whatever a couple of days ago the um when the Reds, you know, won the the Central, whatever that was, oh, fucking 10, was, 14 years ago. I was I was there. <laughs> yeah, like right. We, yeah, I was I was out in the moon deck, and the Jay Bruce hit, hits a walk off home run yep. to clinch, and everyone out there, everyone just stays in the stadium. Everyone's cheering. The club does like a lap around, giving everybody a high five. Arroyo comes back out and daps everybody up, and the entire crowd was like, "What do we do now?" And everybody went to Fountain <laughs> Square. And just started drinking at Fountain Square because, like, well, we don't we don't want to go home right now, but we all feel like we, as a fan base, should be together. Yeah, like, that'll be that'll be a really. I never even compared it. I didn't think about that, but like that'll be a really cool moment. That if you have a crowd of just fucking happy people celebrating a playoff win, going back out to the bars for the rest of the night because this team has finally like climbed the mountain. The pitch is already trying to figure out who the officials are this weekend and seeing if they can't slip some money their way because <laughs> <laughs> the revenue that would generate, my God. If you find yourself Saturday, let's go. Yes. If you find yourself at the pitch prior to the game, go say hi to my boy Dave. He's playing music out there pregame. <laughs> there you go. Um, Worth pointing out, the crew game is at the same time as the FC Cincinnati game, which is convenient, uh, so long as there isn't uh, any insane added time. Uh, we should know about the time uh, that our game ends, uh, whether or not FC Cincinnati yeah, we're not has a, clinched. We're not, a, we're not a national spot, or a national telecast, right? No. I so if you're, FC, uh, if you're FC Cincinnati and you know that like the, your result depends on the crew result, do you maybe like have a problem with the stadium lights or something like that that delays kickoff by like, Five minutes, six so minutes. So this is great. No, 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 I had this. Went. I had this thought. You could <laughs> you get together some supporters. You just need I don't know five, six guys or gals, um, and a lot of smoke. Just all the rest of the smoke that didn't go off for all the goals we didn't score at home. You go to DC on decision day. 
you need to buy us 15 minutes. <laughs> and so <laughs> you just, you let them all off. You run onto the onto the field. You just need to delay the DC kickoff by 15 minutes. That way we're a little bit behind. We know what the other results are. If it comes to this, it may not come to this, but it'd be nice to have that cushion so you know exactly what you got to push for. <laughs> so if you're listening to this and you're going to the game on Saturday, yes, I'm talking to you. If you think about running onto the field at the start of the game to delay things a little bit, you're doing a service to all of us. Tell them the po- no, 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 no. <laughs> tell them, uh, tell them, uh, uh, CST CS- sent you. Yeah, tell them CST sent you. you. You learned that one from Jimmy McLaughlin. So, right. and if you uh, if you put a Sam Adams logo anywhere on your body, it's free beer for life. I'm told. That is true. Uh, Jim Cook will, will will personally guarantee that. Um, so yeah, so like I said, there's there's still plenty of other matches to to keep tabs on. Um, I don't think a home playoff game is out of reach yet, but you start ri- you start you start pushing your luck for who you're rooting to to win or lose. Um, so it gets a little wonky. I think we're also, rooting for the New York teams to win. I yeah. I mean, yeah. yes, like a home a home playoff game is possible, but my rooting interest is teams playoff below <laughs> us to lose. Yeah, just yeah. win. Just win. Yeah. Um, Orlando, who is right behind us, I'll just point this out, uh, has to play three games in eight days to finish the season thanks to their Open Cup run, including uh, one of those matches is against uh, Miami. I think the other one's against Columbus. So um, that's good there. That's that's good for us. They got a lot of, a lot of games in a short amount of time. So um, everything's headed our way. And this is like um, this, this whole schedule set up with the two, the West Coast yeah. teams was we were able to draw. And that was a draw against the team where we picked the point up and no one else in the standings does. So we got yeah. lucky on that one, how the schedule shakes out. We're not playing any of the teams chasing us or that we are chasing going down the stretch. And that's that's positive. Yeah. No, that's perfect. Um, I mean, that'll do it for part one. Uh, part two, we got to touch on this. It's a small grab bag of topics, but we, we got to talk about this. This national team of ours uh, is rough watching. I'm having I'm having Yapstam flashbacks. Let's let's talk about that in the uh, the next part here. Oh, we're back, episode thirty one of the postcast and um yeah i mean at what I, I at lit- what, epi- at what yes. episode of a podcast do you stop counting the episode numbers or is it just like we're Never. always gonna dab on that 50 50 did we stop at no because you gotta count episode 69 oh, and then you point. gotta count episode 420 <laughs> and then you gotta count episode 666 episode 420 i don't know if i'll be alive for that <laughs> yeah, how many when would that take place holy shit <laughs> So if we what we do about forty a season, let's say that that even feels a little aggressive. Probably uh, concurrent with the uh, Guard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we catch up to to, to Guard. Um, it's uh, it's funny too that the one podcast I listen to, uh, pardon my take, they keep celebrating episode five hundred or keep getting congratulated on their fifth hundredth episode. 
because Apple Podcasts would only list 500 episodes. <laughs> so people that were like new listeners would go back and only see that they had 500 episodes listed and be like, oh, it's your 500th episode coming up. Congratulations. <laughs> that's that's great. I can I mean I can keep deleting them and we can just stay in like the mid 30s for this. That could be fun. Once we had episode 69, we should just hold on episode 69. I think that feels about right. Feels we about got a our one speed. in one out rule. Um this national team's a mess. And I I said it right before the break. Uh I'm having Yapstam flashbacks. Like there is this like ethereal system that is supposed to be happening and it is supposed to be this perfect able to win any game system or else why would you adhere to it that closely that that strictly and uh this team's a mess i don't know i i had high hopes for this tournament i thought this was a team that was like too young to know any better i always love that cliche um but now i just think they're just trying to survive Burhalter and hoping that it gets better next year. I I don't know. This is this is like the worst I've seen it since they failed to make the World Cup. Like I don't know. Does anybody I mean, else have a, a, have a it does seem like there's a problem opinion? with in I I don't know. It it feels like there's an issue between the players and the coach right now. I mean, you yeah. saw some of the ways that the guys came off the field. Um Pulisic said in his postgame comments something along the lines of um, we made a few adjustments at halftime that maybe we didn't really need to make, Um, which feels like which feels like a direct I mean, it's a direct call out of the coach, right? Because who's who's making the adjustments, right? (laughs) Um, Matt Turner, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how much buy in there is with some of the top players into the specific system because it does feel like they kind of go rogue here and there um, and just, and just do, do something, which in my opinion, we have, we have a team that is very imbalanced talent wise among the different kinds of positions. And I don't think we should be trying to carry out a specific complicated tactical system. I think that this should be like an MLS team. Everybody runs hard. You press and you let your best players try to do some magic. Yeah. Your DPs. Yeah. We have <laughs> DPs. On this, we have DPs on this team. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. But with the, with the ultimate irony being that, You've put together a team of high-priced European stars. And like the whole idea behind this generation of the national team was that this is different. We're not relying yeah. on MLS guys anymore. We have guys playing for Chelsea and guys playing for Barcelona. And we have guys playing for, you know, the Bundesliga, the Premier League, La Liga. We we have finally broken through where the majority of our team are playing over in Europe. And then to manage them, you go backwards and bring in an MLS guy, which to me, when you have a guy like when you you're seeing comments like Pulisic made right here, what to me that says is I've been managed by Thomas Tuchel and Frank Lampard and guys that are, you know, are world-class European pedigree. 
And I've got some dipshit who from the Columbus crew trying to tell me tactics that I know aren't working as a player. Like at a certain point, like when the tactics aren't working or when things mm-hmm. aren't working, there has to be faith in the coach from the players. Like, no, the coach has been coach has been here before. His system is going to work. We're going to get through this. Well, Burhalter's never coached at the level that these players have played at. He's never played at the level these players have played at. And for better or worse, this team has never looked good under Burhalter. There has never been like sustained periods under Burhalter where even like, God damn, this is a really good U.S. men's national team. They limped their way through qualification. They had stretches of time where they played okay, but they never really dominated or bossed people around in CONCACAF. And we got the usual battery of excuses from the national team apologists and the blue check marks of, well, CONCACAF games are rock fights and you've got to survive CONCACAF. Well, no, it turns sure. out maybe this team just wasn't very good. And the <laughs> tactics weren't very good in terms of how best to you. When I say this team wasn't very good, the talent is obviously very good. But yeah. that the, the coaching team. and this, yeah. the whole the build of the team was not good. The tactics used to put these players in the best position to succeed was not good. So when you said Yap Stam, it's a perfect analogy because we went from Yap Stam who kept trying to do things his way, to Pat Noonan, who's a pragmatist, where it's like, all right, what do I got? How can I make this work? And the results have just been overnight better. And, I mean, if anything, maybe we should be shipping a guy like Pat Noonan over to the national team, where it's like, (laughs) tell us how to fix this with the talent that you have. Stop being so slavishly uh, devoted to your system and figure out a way to make all these pieces fit into the best holes they possibly can. Yeah, so I think that... um... I think there's a few things at play. One, I think, um, you know, maybe there were too many American fans at these games, because if you look <laughs> at if you look at uh, recent U.S. men's national team results, um, the best result they got was that 3-0 win at TQL Stadium against Morocco. <laughs> um, they so need to play Morocco they need to in play, front of Moroccan fans more. Right. They need to so play we, more we, games, more so games we need, where Christian Pulisic is mad about how many Americans uh, are in the are in the stands. Or do we need um, to ship them a box of Cincinnati stuff? Like, do we need to send them to Qatar with yeah. cases of Skyline, Geta, and pictures of Fiona the Just Hippo? Just take some, take some dirt from TQL Stadium, put it in a little bag, and put it under everybody's bed like they're vampires. <laughs> like, you got to sleep, like, over dirt of your homeland. And they need to sleep over dirt of uh, the home stadium, which is uh, of the national, of the U- U.S. men's national team, I which is TQL for- Stadium. I forget who did this. I think it was Germany in the 2014 World Cup. They built their own training facility. And if I remember correctly, they did lay a topsoil layer down of German soil so that they could be, you know, they could play on German soil. Something stupid well, along those lines. I, it, could have, it could have been anywhere. I mean, right. they've always had kind of a liberal idea of what constitutes <laughs> German territory. Right. I was going to say super on brand for Germany to bring German territory to places that never necessarily aren't german um, or to uh, to flee to south america they, yes. yeah they said that they needed to bring german topsoil there they needed a little more living space for their national team oh jeez but i i do think I, I i do think that like like somebody like pat noonan would be better i don't want him to yeah. go to the national team no no for um, the love of god no that's um, please, i think no. i think so so after after the world cup um my first two calls would be to 
uh, uh, Jim Curtin and Brian Schmetzer and, and see if they'll sit for an interview and see what their, you know, see what their thoughts are and, and see if, if either of those guys is available and willing. But um, why? I think it's an, like, seriously, though, like, like that's part of the pro- isn't part of the problem here that if you are going to build your team around players that play exclusively in Europe. And the goal of American soccer is our league is we've given up on this idea of MLS really being a top competing league. And the goal of the national team is we want our national team players to go to Europe and play in Europe. Then why wouldn't you want to go get someone that is coached at a high level in Europe to coach players that are playing over in Europe? Because so, so first of all, somebody like somebody like Jose or like a top European coach, would be a terrible hire because they're going to have the same problem that a guy like like Greg Berhalter has, except they're also going to treat the players like shit. Um, right, right. So, so it's like with the national team, right? You can't just go out and sign a left back if you need a left back. You're stuck with the left backs you have within your within your nationality, so you need to be adaptable. I think Kurt and Schmetzer have both shown to be extremely adaptable guys. I think they'll get along in the locker room well. Um, I don't think we need some European tactician. I don't think we need a tactician at all. We need somebody who's going to say, go out there and press, and otherwise is just going to put out a lineup and player selection that maximizes the talents available. And Greg is, and that's the other problem with Greg to me, is he's not doing that. He is wedded. He is so wedded to his tactical structure that he has an idea in his head of who in the pool can play like he wants to play. And at um, every single position group, he has held the team back in one way or another, right? Like, for example, at goalkeeper, being wedded to Zach Steffen, yeah. who is an inferior shot stopper to some of the other guys in the group. Because Stefan is better at is at least in Burhalter's mind. I don't have an, I don't have an opinion on whether this is true, but at least in Burhalter's mind, Stefan is better at playing the aesthetic system that Burhalter has in his head. Um, being fixated on specific uh, center backs and not ever calling in like a like a John Brooks or a who like John Brooks is not in a good position right now, but like somebody like Tim Ream. Would be worth a shout. Fucking Matt Miazga would yeah. be oh worth God, a shout. Yeah. Um, but he's but he's just he's fixated on like these are my guys at center back and at at central midfield. There's a few guys like a uh, Eric Williamson or somebody who you yep. know maybe could have could have been given given a look at some of these friendlies over the last six months. And obviously at um, striker. You know, yeah. it's not just yeah. Brandon Vasquez. Also, like, Jordan why is why is it why is it Pfuck in this team? If you're not going to call up Vasquez, why aren't you calling up? Why aren't you calling up Pfuck? And if he's not taking Pfuck to the World Cup, I don't know what the fuck he's doing. No. Yeah, I'm also it, just it, I I haven't been able to get the idea of uh, Jose Mourinho as the U.S. Men's National Team manager out of my mind <laughs> since you said that, and that would have been phenomenal. Like the the you content. The content in post game alone would just be like the the post game thing that like the awful Greg Berhalter non answers. Can you imagine yeah. Mourinho on a post game after that Saudi Arabia match? 
And you also, like, I, I don't expect dis- this guy plays for FC Dallas. Right. Like, <laughs> I can't even. I've, I can't even look at this guy in the eyes. Yeah, I have. No Mourinho already him. thinks like you know the most seasoned soccer writers in London don't know what they're talking about. Can you imagine Can Andrew Grant interviewing him? Yeah, yeah, like, fucking bald headed weirdo. <laughs> I don't disagree. Also, with what Grayson is saying too, like I think he's he's right on in this, and I I think. Part of the problem, too, is that when you listen to Burhalter talk about this cycle, well, why did we not call certain people in? Well, chemistry was really important, and playing together was really important. A, if you're still trying to worry about chemistry at this point close to a World Cup, that's pretty telling as to the state of your locker room, A. And B, you know, these guys are professionals, and I don't care how good of a professional you are, professionals thrive and are pushed by competition. And there are a lot of people on this national team roster that have had their name written in ink since the start of the cycle. And I don't know that that's healthy. Like, no, you know, in a better world, you would have you would bring different people in. You'd cycle people in and out and you'd make a few people worry that if their performance in these friendlies isn't good, that their ass isn't going to Qatar, that their spot in Qatar is in jeopardy. Their playing time is in jeopardy. But instead, before this cycle, before this little thing of friendlies right here. Burhalter all but confirmed all these people are making it to Qatar. Like he told yeah. everyone their job is safe. So I don't know. To me, I don't know why everyone's, you know, shocked that the team looked like dog shit. I mean, th- they're playing for nothing and they know it. Yeah. And there's no carrot out there for guys who should be on the fringe. Jeremy Abobasi and, and Eric Williamson, uh, two guys who who should have gotten looks or at least invites or at least, you know, something along those lines. Just just to push people, to let them know that just because you play in Europe doesn't mean a guy in MLS can't take your job. Or vice versa. Just because you're scoring in MLS doesn't mean a guy in Germany can't tear it up and take your job. Like that pressure should always be there. And I love the argument about uh, you you need the 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 synergy. You need time for everybody to gel. Like professional clubs sign new players and add them to the lineup the next day. Like that happens. Like yeah. well, Bodo, you, you put the you best team available me. on the field. You can't tell me that Brandon Vasquez would be a threat to team chemistry. Right? No. Was like, he going to go in there and pick fights? Like he wants to come back. <laughs> they all know each other. They all know each other too. These guys all grow up playing with yes, one another. Like yes. he seems like an like a like a pretty nice, if you know, somewhat soft spoken guy. They don't yeah. they don't want to associate with him because he smells like pancakes. It's like oh, there's Brandon Vasquez. It smells His like old a- syrup fingers. Right. Jeez, <laughs> he sounds like smells like hungry Jack. We can't hang around this dude. Uh, so I. I do buy Grayson's point that they need a or, or Chiefs. I'll I'll merge these two takes. You need somebody who is used to dealing with what they have. Um, and Grayson, I know you you've brought this up in a uh, the old the old private chat. But the idea of like a relegation specialist is these guys that are just like they're used to just being dealt a shit hand and somehow you know get, getting out of a, a a jam with the players. They Sam have. Allardyce, where's Sam? Where's Big Sam at? So Big Sam got caught in a uh, in a pretty nasty sting, uh, admitting to some undercover journalists that he knew how to skirt some uh, FIFA rules on a third party even, player ownership. Even better, <laughs> fuck yeah! What's more American than breaking the rules? No, but I I have a Wait, name Sean for Miller you, and this is going back to be Xavier. Yeah, fuck yeah! I got season tickets. I'm excited for this shit. <laughs> I got a name for you. This is and this is like the kind of like not sexy like pick that 
U.S. soccer should be going for Michael O'Neill. And if anybody knows Michael O'Neill, it's impressive. You're you're a good soccer fan. Uh, he was the manager of Northern Ireland for a number of years before taking over Stoke City for the last three years. He just got fired. He is available, but he's he's been on the European uh, circuit. He was a, a solid professional player in his day. He's got national team experience. He's coached in England. He's he's been in the fires of promotion and relegation. So the kind of guy that like hasn't been given a really good team but has a decent resume like this is the kind of guy that u.s soccer should be targeting jose Mourinho's never managed a national team no idea he'd be any good yeah it's an entirely different skill set give me the national team journeyman who like does good with whatever south american team surprises everyone this year like if ecuador makes the quarterfinals hire ecuador's manager i don't know who it is but he's obviously pretty good and maybe he'll let us fudge some numbers with some dual nationals it'll be fun the, the um, other thing the other thing too <laughs> that I, like, I brought uh, it up earlier in the podcast too and I, i'm kind of like i think it's a bigger deal than people are letting on is that this is a really young team that they have yeah. right now and i think who's the old head on this team it's deandre yedlin i'm guessing would be the old guy <laughs> yeah. on the team oh my god yeah right so like <laughs> every good national team and i know this is anecdotal and somebody well we, nobody listens to this fucking thing anyway so no one's going to fact check me um <laughs> it feels like every national team has at least one dude or two dudes on the team where you look at them and you're like how is this guy not washed what yeah. the hell is this guy still doing on the team and for years with the nat- for the U.S. national team, it was DeMarcus Beasley, where it was like, yeah. I think he's 50. I think he's been 50 <laughs> since the 90s. <laughs> to me, the miss one of the big misses of the lineup that Burhalter has constructed is that there should be someone, at least one or two people on this team, where you know, if you're going to waste roster spots on Jordan fucking Morris, then there's a spot on this team for someone like a Jeff Cameron or someone, yep. you know, that is Ali um, Bedoya. Bedoya. Somebody that's 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 been around, that's still playing. And it's like just someone that can when the kids, when when Polisic has that press conference and says, you know, well, there were some tactical advantages that we didn't really like, even if that's a thousand percent true, there's someone with a little gray hair on his ass that says to Polisic in the locker room, we don't air that shit in the media. I understand yeah. you think you're hot. If you were as hot as you think you are, you wouldn't be riding the pine at Chelsea as much as you are. You'd actually be playing. And when it comes to how we handle our business, if you've got a problem with the manager, you keep it in-house and we keep it in-house. And there's just it feels well, like there's no one there on that team like that. Well, Jeff Cameron's not the guy for that. No. Because no, Jeff not. Cameron has aired plenty <laughs> of dirty laundry see about and he his knows beef with bruce arena and he knows the danger that that can cause when you do that so who better to mentor worth these young out, players worth pointing out cameron was right <laughs> like, bruce arena <laughs> fucked it up 100 right here's here's another thing like um you know you know bruce arena um after the fact admitted to calling an inferior team to Trinidad and Tobago. And he said that had they qualified for the world cup, he would have brought Matt Miazga with him, but he didn't take him to the qualifying. It was uh, Tyler Adams and Matt Miazga were the two names that people were clamoring for. And he said, Oh, well we would have given them their debuts in the, uh, in the friendlies leading up to the world cup. Ugh, ugh. Um, yeah. What are the odds? What are the odds Burhalter gets fired? 
Like if you had to put the odds between he gets fired between now and Wait. now and Qatar. Zero. Zero. They're, Zero. they're not gonna fire the, the they're not gonna fire the manager before the World Cup. But I, I we were talking about international managers. Zero is awfully low. I will say Spain did that before the 2018 World Cup. I want to say because the uh, the national team manager announced that he was taking the uh, the Real Madrid job before the tournament, and <laughs> they fucking fired him for it. So we um, just need we need to start a rumor that Burhalter has already been offered a job somewhere else. But then it would be so, up to his fucking brother to fire him, and that's not going to happen because the yeah, U.S. soccer so, is a incestuous pool. So something I yeah so with. I guess one last point I want to make about like the national team coaches is it's I I think about like the the USA basketball teams mm. right and remember the year that like Larry Brown who was like an NBA championship and NCAA championship extra- incredibly successful professional coach uh coached the the quote unquote dream team and they didn't even medal yeah <laughs> yes and it's because, as, as we've made this point, but it's, it's because like being a team or club manager is, is is totally different. And with a with like a national team, you're basically dealing with a you're basically dealing with a uh, all star team. And so, you know, somebody like Coach K, who's a college coach, you yeah. know, has never coached. Um, people who were being paid above the board uh to to play the sport but he comes into the he comes into the olympic team and does perfectly well yeah and okay. you know what's funny you know what's right? funny about that too is i would be willing to bet real money that coach k if he had been called in to coach the national team for these friendlies in this last window right here i bet you money coach k would not have produced a worse result than Greg Berhalter did, <laughs> I knowing agree, nothing, knowing nothing about the sport of soccer. I don't think you need. So, to, I don't think you need to know that much to be a national team coach. No. I mean, you don't need to be a good. You don't need to be a no. good club coach. No, you just need to. You just need to be a good manager of people. So yes. what they're really looking for is John Harks. Simplify. No, like yes, FCC no. John 1. Harks would have done better. John Harks would have done better. I, I have. I have the name for you. I have the name for you. You need a guy with experience coaching young players. So you need a guy with experience. In college, so he's a winning coach in college. You need a guy in MLS who's used to, you know, having weird depleted rosters with like weird spikes in talent. So somebody who's won multiple titles at multiple teams at different at, at different places. I mean, say it with me. It's Caleb Alan Porter, baby. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh no, Alan Koch. Alan Koch is something. Caleb Porter, Portland, Columbus. Akron, he's got the track record. So what that he completely failed to uh, qualify for the Olympics with the youth team? The youth youth game's a crapshoot. Call him up. We need that asshole. You want your Jose Mourinho? He's the Jose Mourinho of MLS. So, like, that's as close as we'll get here. Could, could we get a rumor going that Caleb Porter <laughs> has reached out to the U.S. national team about taking over before the World Cup starts? That would Just rule. to cause the distraction in Columbus? That would yes. absolutely rule. Yes. We're going to start it right now that U.S. soccer has reached out privately to Caleb Porter to gauge interest as to whether or not he would be willing to take over the team now in the lead up to the to the World Cup. The hang up would be he must leave Columbus prior to the start of the MLS playoffs to begin. Yeah, he needs he needs to be instituted immediately. (laughs) 
Who can we DM to start this? How can we get this, how can we get this ball rolling? Uh, let me just rehack Pat's Twitter account real quick. Hang on. <laughs> Offer the people that had his Twitter account five Ethereum and three Doge coins if they can hack like Andrew Weeby's account to get this going. <laughs> like I can't like Weeby's password has to be like one, two, three, four, five, right? Like he can't be that sophisticated. It's uh Lynn's distortion uh is the uh the password there. <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh, it's just strong password, all one word. <laughs> yes. Uh gentlemen. What? I think that's going to do it for this episode, unless somebody's got something else. I mean, we have like a hundred more topics to touch on. Honestly, nobody's going to remember it after this win against Chicago. So, so are we? Are 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 you? Is everyone going to be at the game? First off, are you? Being, are I will being, be at the game. Yes, I'll be at the right. game. So, if we clinch, busk boy. are we? Are we doing busk boys? I'm doing a busk boy. Yes. I will bring the buskin cookie. I backed out of it last time. I'm in. Sign me up. We're doing this. We'll put video out there officially. Do they sell big boys at TQL Stadium? Can we get a big boy in stadium? Or do we have to bring they one of those do with sell us? a big boy in the stadium. I don't know when they close the food. Though. All right, so that... I need I need someone to DM me or post it when we post this episode. If you if you actually listen this far in, yes. If you work or you know someone that works at TQL Stadium, I need to know what minute I have to be at the big boy line because I don't want to order the big boy if we're tied. Or we're trailing. No, it's we got to be up like two goals. So yeah. we got to be up by yeah. like two or three goals. And I need to know what minute is my, the drop dead minute to go get a big boy to be ready to celebrate. So somebody, somebody hit the fight button, send me the DM or whatever, and let me know when I need what I need to do to get my uh, my big boy at the stadium. And I'll bring my cookies on my. I'll bring the the buskin on my own. Yeah, I'll say either way, I'll, I'll smuggle a cookie into the stadium. That just sounds like fun. So. Um, <laughs> there we go. There we that's, have it. That's a, that's um, a da- it's a date. Um, fuck the crew. Yeah. R.I.P. Coolio. One love. Oh. <laughs>